0: Chapter Fourteen of The Hawk of Egypt by Joan Conquest, read for Oh, into the public domain. Chapter Fourteen: Oh, for a falconer's voice to lure this tassel, gentle, back again, Shakespeare. Lunch, dulcetory shopping, and tea with friends in Cairo had been the order of the afternoon following the dawn, which had found her grace at the window, trying to come to a decision about her goddaughter. They were just returning from these festivities, and were negotiating the latest crossroads of the Sharia Abbas, when a native policeman, waving his arm like a semaphore, stepped into the slowly moving stream of traffic. Resulted the usual maelstrom of motors, native vehicles, stray animals, and trams, in which tossed the native pedestrians as, agile and vociferous, he slipped in and out of the block, calling loudly upon Allah in his extremity. "'A native wedding, or something,' said Damaris, who was driving. "'What fun!' then blushed divinely pink. There was one gorgeous, mounted figure in the laughing, happy, tumultuous crowd, which came whirling across the road, kept clear for it by the police. Hugh Carden Ali had gone a-hawking in a certain part of the desert near the ancient city of An, where gazelle is sometimes seen and birds are plentiful. Clad in orange satin, a-shine with jewels, with tight-fitting eastern trousers ending in perfect riding-boots, with diamond osprey glittering in the white turban and falcon, with jesset to match the orange coat, on gauntleted wrist, he rode serenely in the cheering throng. His falconers, with their underlings, walked on either side of the roan, which fretted and fidgeted at the slowness of the pace. The dogs of Beely walked sedately and by themselves. Grooms of the kennels led greyhounds on the leash. Behind them, almost bursting with importance, came a Persian deftly carrying the cage, which is a kind of padded stand, upon which, hooded and fastened by leashes, the favourite birds are carried to and fro. At the rear was the bird's van, in which are carted the birds which may or may not be required, also spare parts of the paraphernalia, upon which depends the success of this sport, the sport, in truth, of kings in the days are past the favourite sport of our own monarchs, especially in the spacious days of great Elizabeth. The bag was good, considering the district, the poles on the servants' shoulders bending under the weight of two gazelles, and countless birds of all sizes and plumage. A couple of sias, waving the customary horse-hair fly-whisk, ran shouting before their master, Servants surrounded the cortege, armed with sticks which they rattled with good effect upon the shins of the more venturesome among the spectators, as the procession moved slowly, as move all things in the east. Shouting fiercely, the Sias stopped suddenly in front of her Grace's car, arms uplifted, mouths opened, then turned in their tracks and sped back to the master who had called them. The old lady and the girl beside her interchanged never a word, as they watched Hugh Carden Ali urge the mare, who picked a dainty path through the wandering crowds which opened a way before her. The sun caught the jewels on the man's breast, and above his turban, and upon the saddle-cloth of the roan mare, and struck fiercely slantwise into the proud, handsome face, with the set mouth and the eyes which never once looked in the English woman's direction. For a full minute he sat, immovable, whilst the mare, freed from the fret of the crowd, stood stock-still. In his bearing, in the magnificent picture he made under the flaming skies, there seemed a subtle challenge to the two Englishwomen. All his English nature rose in revolt against the barriers that rose between himself and Damaris, daughter of his mother's race. But curbing his passion with the self-control he had learned in British fields of sport, he remembered that he belonged primarily to his father's land, whose people had three thousand years before held the keys of civilization in their powerful hands, whilst the people of his mother's land were just about emerging from the primitiveness of the Stone Age. "'I am the East,' he seemed to cry in his utter immobility. Then he turned, beckoned, and gave a sharp order to the bewildered policeman, who salaamed almost to the ground. Hugh Carden Ali bowed to the saddle as the great car shot smoothly forward. There was a smile of welcome on the face of the old woman who had loved his mother, a whole world of welcome in the outstretched hand, and a little feeling of thankfulness in her heart, that at last she might get to know the man in time, and with him go visit his mother, or better still win his confidence, heal his hurt, and so obviate the tedious journey. But there was to be no drawing together of the man's wound with the silken threads of sympathy. He sat like a statue, with his left hand raised in salute, until the English women had passed, then, throwing his falcon, he watched the confused bird's flight in search of the quarry which was not there. Cry aloud to Ali, the worker of wonders, from him thou wilt find help from trouble. He quoted the first two lines from the Nedi Ali, the formula used in the east when trouble threatens a falcon, and touching the mare, passed down the Sharia Abbas, whilst the old lady, going in the opposite direction, came to a sudden decision. End of chapter 14 Read by Sibella Denton For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.